0: Okay, so the first reading is from Psalm 90, and that's on page 424 in the Pew Bibles. So that's Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight, are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to your children. May the favour of our Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands.
1: The second reading is on page 829, if you want to follow it. It's Ephesians 5, verses 15, 16, and 17. So page 829. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, and, but understand what the Lord's will is. Thanks, Steve. So we're uh, week two in our topical sermon series on the topic of generosity. So last week, if you were here, we heard about how to use the gifts or the talents that God has given you for the good of others. And tonight, we're going to look at the topic of, of time. I want you to imagine that you have got this most incredible bank account. And every single night, an anonymous person deposits $1,440 into your bank account. Every single night. $1,440. There's just, uh, just one condition. You can, use, you can use that money however you like it, but there's one condition. You've got to spend that money that day. You can't save it. You can't store it up. It must be spent, because at midnight, your bank balance goes back to zero all over again. And then another $1,440 are put into your bank account. So how are you going to use it? What would you spend that money on? See, the reality is, friends, that every single one of us has got that bank account. And the name of that bank account is time. Because every day, God in his kindness, deposits 1,440 minutes into our bank account. And you can't save it up, you can't store it up, you've just got to use it. And my question tonight is, how are you going to use it? What are you going to do with the time that God's given you? Here's a great quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You can't store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable, and when you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. I find that really helpful. God gives us time, it's yours to use, but you can't earn more of it. And today we'll look at the topic of time. How are you going to use your time generously? Use the time God has given you for the good of others and for the growing of God's church. And I know that time is important to all of us, because I keep being told how busy we are, and we are busy. And so we keep saying things like, "Oh, I wish I had more time to do all the things I want to do. I don't have enough time in the day." And maybe you're like me, you, you, you go through life and you, you really do feel like you're, you're dragging behind you this, this freight train full of unfinished tasks. If only I had more time to do all the things that I want to do. It's crazy, isn't it? We have these so-called time-saving devices, microwaves, dishwashers, but we're more rushed than ever before. We rush around, squeezing more and more things into our busy schedule and life can be exhausting. Robert Banks said this, with respect to time Christians are a good deal worse off than many because Christians take their jobs very seriously and as Christians we place high values on family obligations and on church commitments. And As my son once commented, Christians are like trains. They're always on the move, always in a rush and always late. And I reckon that we are becoming more and more and more unlike our Lord Jesus Christ. He had time for people. Even that that individual woman that he met at the well, he had time for her. He had time to pray. And you never get that sense that Jesus was rushing to be behind schedule. He made choices and he spent his time in wise ways. And let me say up front, uh, uh, the purpose of this talk is is not to make you busier, and it's not to make you guilty about how you use your time. It's not to give you ten top tips on time management. My aim on this talk is give, to give you a, a right understanding of the time that God has given you, and a right attitude to that time. Because God has allocated each one of us exactly the same amount of time, and the problem is not the amount of time that we've got. The problem is how we view that time and how you choose to use that time. And again, I want to urge us tonight to be very generous. Remember our definition of generosity from last week? To be generous is that that willingness, that desire, that want to give your help, your kindness, your money, your time to other people, more than is normal. That is generosity. Uh, and the motivation, it, it must flow from God's grace So God has been so generous to us. God has lavished us with his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And, and if you've met Jesus and seen the generosity of God in Christ, then your heart is changed and you overflow with that generosity to others. But if, before we look at, at the topic of time in more detail, uh, let's, let me just tell you one more motivation for why you should be generous. Why should you be generous with your time Uh, yes because of grace but also because of of eternity Uh, your generosity must be motivated by your view of eternity your generosity will be dictated by your perspective on the future it will flow from that that certainty there's going to be a day when Jesus Christ returns and you will meet your maker And see, when you've understood that, your whole perspective changes. You're not on this this treadmill going round and round and round with no destination. You're on a travelator and you're heading somewhere. You're heading for that day when you meet God as your judge, your maker, and your saviour. And that reality that Jesus Christ will return, that will change the way that you see your time. Last week we met a guy called Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Just flick back to Luke 19. It's on page 743. And Zacchaeus was a man who met Jesus, and having met Jesus, generosity flowed from him. And and straight after that meeting with Zacchaeus, Jesus tells a parable. Luke 19, verse 11. It is not written to Pharisees or to religious people, It's written to his disciples, to us. Let me just read the first bit of it. Verse 11. Uh, While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. But they got the time frame wrong. And so Jesus said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And of course that man is Jesus. He's the heir to the world, but he's not claiming his kingdom yet. He's returning to his father, but one day he will return to us, to earth. So, verse, 12, verse 13, he called ten of his servants, that's you and I, servants of Christ, and he gave them ten miners, a huge amount of money. And here's the condition, put this money to work until I come back. Because after I come back, you don't need to use that money anymore. Go to verse 15. Uh, He was made king. Of course he was, because Jesus is the Messiah. And he did return home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he would given the money in order to find out what they would gained with it. And that's the the thrust of this parable. Because Jesus is coming back, make sure you're using whatever God has given you now. For the good of the kingdom. And knowing Jesus will return. It radically shapes the way that you live. I hope you've understood that. Because your life is not about. Possessions and property. And plans. And all this stuff. It's about. People. It's about preparing yourself. To meet your king. It's about preparing other people. To meet their king. And when you've got that. It's just so liberating. Why would you spend two hours on a Sunday morning teaching four and five-year-olds about Jesus? Why? Because you want to prepare that child to meet their king. Why would you get up at 6.30 in the morning to read the Bible with a young Christian man? Why? Because you want him to have the firm foundations because you're preparing his soul to meet his maker. Why would you bother to give up a Sunday at five o'clock to come here to church because you want to actually prepare your soul to meet your king. And when you've understood that, that life is about preparing to meet your maker, it does change your whole perspective on life. Why would you be generous? Because you want to prepare people for eternity. Before we look at time, I'm going to ask Leah to come forward. So each week, over the next few weeks, I'm going to interview, interview one person. Uh, last week we interviewed Andrew. I'm going to interview, interview Leah tonight about how she chooses to use her time. So Leah, nice to see you. Uh, how do you decide how to use your time? You know, it's at work and, and church and leisure. How, yep. <laughs> how do you decide those things?
2: Um, this is actually a really tough question. I've been thinking about it all week. Um, I think the main principle that I've been trying to live by is that God deserves, you know, how I choose to use my time is that, you know, serving and church, all of that, God, my relationship with God comes first before everything else. So that runs how, I. you know, when I wake up in the morning, I always have quiet time for 20 minutes and that's part of my day that I don't negotiate because... You know, God doesn't deserve the scraps at the end of the day when I'm, you know, about to fall asleep if I try and read my Bible then. He deserves me when I'm at my my, my most awake and alert. So that's kind of day to day. Mm -hmm. On a grander scheme, I guess, just trying to really concentrate or pick one or two things, areas that I really want to be involved in at church and to serve at and making that a priority so that, you know, once I commit to something, so at the moment for me it's leading a connect group, it's really important, making that a focus and making sure that I give that enough energies and then, you know, other social commitments or things with, um, at work, you know, I won't do anything that's going to try and impede on that because that is a priority. Mm. So I think mm. that's kind of just having one thing and making it work doesn't mean I don't get involved in other things, you know, and things with my friends, but that's the one thing that I don't want to negotiate on. Cool
1: you spend a a lot of time with people. So you spend time in connect groups, you disciples on women, you help out at Kids Church, you're very hospitable. Uh, What are some of the joys of of giving your time to other people?
2: Yeah, I think, I guess, personally, you know, when I came to church about seven years ago, I was probably in a bit of a strange place. And there were just some great people around that got me involved socially. And I think that made me want to hang out and be a regular member of church, go to a connect group, and then I grew in my faith and my relationship with God. So I just want to be facilitating that for everybody else around me because that was just such such a great time and without those people around me, you know, helping me get connected in, mm. I, I don't think that would have happened. I don't think I would have really understood the great news that there is in the gospel. So I think that's that's really important. The joy of, you know watching other people you know they come along once a month and they become more regular and they become more ingrained and integrated into church and then they mm. grow in their faith and their love of Jesus and that's really really exciting to watch and it's it's great to see it's great to see little kids at Sunday school and they you know repeat things back to you you know it's it's really exciting like, I you know really understood the gospel when I was five and I think I just want other five every five-year-old mm. you know to be the same
1: So, so, last question. How do you balance it so that you don't burn yourself out? Because you could just give all the time and have no time just to refresh yourself. uh.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, like there are some decisions, tough decisions I've had to make, so... Um, six years ago I started my MBA. I had this ambitious goal to do it by the time I was 30 and I'm still doing it, <laughs> still going, so I'm just doing it slowly. So having to know my limits is one thing. Um, having great relationships. I've got quite a few really accountable relationships with women in this service, women around the place who just, you know, I share my goals with them for the year. My, you know, I'm very big on the verse of the year, trying to shape my year and what I'm trying to focus on and Emma's looking right at me. You know, we meet up once a month and she asked me how I'm going with that. And so it's really, really good to have those relationships to hold you accountable. Um, I know how to relax. I do jigsaw puzzles when I'm really stressed. So (laughs) I think know myself, um, Mm. making sure that I, you know, plan some me time, you know, a couple of hours every week. Like I'm lucky God's given me lots of energy and I bounce off people. So Mm. I'm really, really lucky for that. But just knowing myself and knowing how to... You know, when I do get stressed, how to stop and how to say no. So if I have that framework in place of what I'm focusing on this year, then, you know, I'm going to say no to things that are going to make those, those things that I'm trying to do, like, you know, yeah. be a good connect leader. I'm going to say no to things that are going to compromise that. Okay?
1: Thanks for sharing, Leah. So that's the why. Why do you do it? Because of eternity. Let's look at the how. How are you going to use your time generously? Uh, we, we're in a time-driven culture you can e- easily fall into time management systems. You know, you sort out your systems and processes. You get your, your to-do lists and use your, use your Mac and everything's going to fall into place. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is saying that, that God created time. God decided there should be 24 hours in a day. And God gives you time as a gift. And God rules over time. And so the most important thing that you can do is put God right at the center of your time. And be wise as to how you use it. There are four ways that you can uh, be generous with your time. First one is this. Treasure your time. Treasure every day that you have here on earth. It's a gift from God. Uh, That's really the thrust of of Psalm 90. Turn back to Psalm 90. It's a, a wonderful meditation on God's greatness and on eternity and it's a wonderful comparison of God's infiniteness and our frailty and our finiteness. Psalm ninety on page forty four Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. But God is eternal. So before the mountains were born, and before God brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There never was a day when God was not. He's eternal. But we, on the other hand, are, are fragile and we are frail and we are finite. We're here one minute, we are gone the next. God, you turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. Uh, look down to verse 8. A scary verse. You, you have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Uh, what Moses is saying there is that God sees us. He sees everything. He sees even those secret sins that we try and hide from other people. And we know that God is holy. He hates our sin. And so we actually deserve his wrath today. And so the fact that we get to live another day is his mercy and his kindness. But make sure you have a right perspective on your time. Verse eight, 9, sorry, all our days pass away under your wrath and we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days, it, it's actually quite short. It's 70 years or, or 80 if we have the strength. And he's saying, compared to eternity, uh, 60 years, 70 years, 80, it is nothing. And the, the, the thrust of this psalm is in verse 12, Lord, teach us to number our days aright. In light of eternity, teach us to see each day as a gift of God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive today. Thank you you give me breath today. Thank you that I've lived to be 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 because that's not my right. That's what you have blessed me with in your kindness. Help me not to squander today. Teach me to number our day not, not our years, but our days because every day that you have on earth is a precious gift from your king. It was last year that uh, I think God taught Rachel and I to, to value each day. And so when uh, she went into labor at uh, 29 weeks, and we were told by the, the doctors that every day that Nathaniel stayed inside, his chance of survival just increased. I, I, and believe me, every single day you're sort of thanking God for another day. Thank you for another day. Uh, it was just this great reminder. Every single day, wow, thank you, Lord, for another day here on earth. So treasure the time. Teach us to number our days. Thank you that I've lived to be 30 and 40 and 50. And if you wake up tomorrow with life and breath, thank you, Lord, for that. Treasure the time that you get to spend tomorrow with your loved ones and treasure the time you get to spend with your Savior. Treasure it. Don't assume it's a right. But look at the verse again. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's not just saying, thank you, God, for today. It's, help me to be wise today. Help me to see today as an opportunity to serve you. That's my second point. Treasure your time and then invest your time wisely. Uh, Billy Graham said this. He said, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. Time is the capital God has given us to invest. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, in a great uh, article called The Preciousness of Time, it's on your newsletter He wrote this. This is just the end of it. Time is so short, and the work which we have to do is so great that we have none of it to spare. The work which we have to do to prepare for eternity must be done in time, or it can never be done. And he's saying, you've just got these few short years here on earth to prepare your soul to meet your maker, so invest it wisely. I could follow you for seven hours a day for two weeks and I could have a pretty good stab at what you think are important in life. And is it preparing yourself and others for eternity? And that's the thrust of Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live. So take care of your life. Take care of every day. Making sure that you are living as wise people. So wise people are people who know God. Not as unwise people who are yet to know God. Making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. Uh, The King James Version translates making the most of every opportunity as redeeming the time. That's a helpful phrase. It's saying that every day, redeem that time. Buy it back. Buy it back from bondage to unprofitable, useless, pointless activities that, that have no eternal value. Just be careful how you spend your time. Invest it wisely. Uh, making the most opportunities. Think about that phrase. Uh, the word for opportunities there is the word from the, the sales, you know, the, the, the David Jones sales where you walk in and you, you see that bargain. It's a bargain price and you think, oh, should I get that? I'll go and grab a coffee and I'll just ponder it for an hour and I'll come back. But when you come back, it's gone. Because someone else has grabbed it. And that's the idea of making the most of the opportunity. God places opportunities in your life every single day, and they're there, and you can't go back to it. You've got to grab it whilst you can. And the point is not that you have to pour more and more and more time to doing stuff. It's choosing to use the time, the opportunity that God's given you now in a wise way. Let me give you some examples. I I go to a a running club on a Thursday night. That's part of my schedule. I don't add in more running times, but I make the most of that opportunity on a Thursday night. So so I pray before I go, Lord, just give me one conversation about Jesus and Lord, help me to behave in a way that is honouring to the gospel. And it's amazing how many opportunities that you get when you pray before you, you go. It might be your workplace. That is your opportunity that you're going to make the most of. That You're going to just uh, build that relationship with your colleague with a view to introducing them to Christ. It's not doing more stuff. It's seeing your calendar through the lens of eternity and investing that time for the good of others and to grow God's church. We still need volunteers for community lunches. That's two or three hours once a month. And so you weigh up. Is that a good use of my time? If I said yes to that, I'd have to say no to something else. So you look at the opportunities and you think, okay, how can I invest the time God has given me in light of eternity? Here's one thing I've learned. It's possible to be very efficient with your time And to be very busy doing lots and lots of things. But you're not preparing souls for eternity. So so invest your time wisely. The third one is this. Manage your time well. Treasure it. Invest it. Manage your time well. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Here's what he says. He says time management is actually a misleading concept. The challenge is not to manage your time better. The challenge is to manage yourself better because you choose what to spend your time on. And if you've been to time management courses, they they do this exercise where they get this massive jar uh, and they put seven massive stones in the jar. And they say, oh, is this jar full? Oh, yeah, that's full. And they get smaller stones and they they pour the smaller stones into the jar and they fit. Now is the jar now full? Oh yeah, the jar's now full. No, it's not because you get some sand and you pour the sand in and the sand still fits in. Is the jar now full? Yes. No, no, it's not because they get some water and they pour the water in and the water fits in the jar. And the point of that exercise is not that you can fit more and more things in if you try hard enough. The point is that If you don't put those seven big rocks in first, they'll never fit in. If you start by putting the smaller stones and the sand and the water in, there'll be no space for the big rocks. And that's the point of managing your time, is that there are certain big rocks in your life that you must put in place. Otherwise, other things in life will take up that time. And one of those things, your time with God, your time where you are growing your love for Jesus, where you're spending time with your maker and your saviour, that you're, you're caring for your soul, if you don't make sure that you allocate that time, other things will then squeeze into that time. If you're married, time with your spouse. If you've got kids, time with your children. That's a responsibility that God's given you. And making sure that you give time to those relationships. Manage your time, get your priorities right. Making sure it's about God and not that he gets the leftover, as as Leah said. Here's the last one Treasure your time, invest your time, manage your time, and enjoy your time. Remember Genesis 2? Genesis 2. It says that we are made in the image of God. God made humanity in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that we are relational beings and we 're here to enjoy God, and we 're here to enjoy each other and so time is not about you know processes and systems and success and productivity and accomplishments it 's about relationships. God created you to enjoy him and to enjoy each other. I just wonder whether we 've turned time into this tyrant. Our life is full of meetings and programs and rush and do, do, do and go, go, go and we're frazzled and we're exhausted and we don't enjoy the relationships and the time that God's given us. And maybe you do some hard work looking at how you spend your time. Looking at who you spend your time with. Do you actually enjoy time with God? Do you enjoy time with people? If not, something needs to go. Create that space just to enjoy the time God has given you. See, we all have 1,440 minutes. And the problem is not the amount of time, it's what you do with it. And my prayer is that you would spend your time generously preparing yourself and preparing others to meet their maker. Treasure it, invest it, manage it, and enjoy it. T-I-M-E, treasure, invest, manage, enjoy. And I pray that will actually help you, help you in a relationship with God. Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us today, that we have life, and we have breath, and we have health. Help us not to take that for granted, Lord, but to, to praise you for this day you've given us. Lord, help us to treasure the relationships you've given us and the time with you, and Lord, forgive us when we, we just, uh, we're frivolous with our time, and we don't use it for things that are profitable. Help us to invest that time wisely, and we ask that for Jesus' sake.